Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. And so we're going to talk to you about possessing the promise. I want to talk to you about the promise of possession, the preparation of possession, the principles of possession, and the perils of possession. Sounds like about an hour and a half sermon to me, but I will watch my time. So we're looking at Joshua chapter 1, the promise of possession. Here's what I realized. I had allowed parents, culture, and generations to affect me to the point where this was my paradigm. And I don't know what kind of culture, generation, or parents that you grew up in or with, but I want you to know that God has greater for you. Just as I said, uh, after being a pastor for 30 years, God... There has to be something more. If you're here today and you're saying, there must be more, I want you to know God's here to give that to you today. And so what you have to, and and, and one of the greatest challenges that I had, watch this, is I'm standing here looking at my wall and I'm not sure what's on the other side. Whenever I'm not sure of what's on the other side, it's much easier to stay back here. And what I've learned is if I'm going to have intimacy with God, I must be intentional. Because the problem is, many of us in our life, there's no one who has laid down footprints for us to follow. And, and Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And so as I work with leaders, I recognize that those leaders must have a daily devotional life and be abandoned to God and be on this journey. And there's a draw of Holy Spirit. There's a draw of Holy Spirit that will bring the house into its destiny. And many in a congregation will never go farther than the leaders have gone. And in a home, not many will go farther than mom and dad go. And so we have to make a decision and we have to look this morning at the promise of possession. You have, to, you have to step out of your soul and begin to hear the voice of God and be obedient to that because he's speaking to us and is going to speak to us this morning. So I want us to look, first of all, at the promise of possession. And let's look together at verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over the Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Whatever the outpouring in this house was uh, years ago, and whatever the Azusa Street Revival was in this weekend, this Pentecostal weekend, I'm here to tell you that he does not change. He wants you to come into your destiny. He wants you to have identity. He wants you to have financial blessing. He wants your home uh, to, to be in alignment. He wants you to understand that there is a lamb for every household 
and that God wants your loved ones to walk with him and to know him. Do not settle for a soulish desert experience. Don't allow parents' culture or generation to establish your paradigm. I want you to bust open the doors this morning. I want you to push through your wall. I want you to understand that he does not change and he has great things for your life. You have to understand today the promise of possession. Some of you are are going to come tonight and seek the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know it's a gift. I want you to know it's a promise. And what I find is it's pretty interesting that the tongue is the most unruly member. So when I am filled with the Spirit, I believe I'm in alignment with God. So as you're preparing your heart, one of the keys to being filled with the Holy Spirit is to simply submit and to give yourself over to God and just let Holy Spirit have... And what you'll do is you'll stop listening to your mind, will, and emotion. You'll start listening to your spirit and Holy Spirit will come and he'll start to speak through you. And one of the things that we have, one of the things that, that, that has been a detriment in, the, in, in Pentecost is we feel if we get it, if we receive tongues that we have arrived somewhere. But I'm telling you, you can speak in tongues and still be in the desert. Because Paul said, keep on being filled with Holy Spirit. I thank God for the experience at Brayside Camp where God filled me with his spirit. But what I had to learn is that I have to have that daily devotional walk with God. And I've got to have that time with him. And I, my soul is so strong. I have to bring that soul into submission to Holy Spirit. And I've got to walk in alignment. I've got to hear his voice. I've got to understand that he has a plan for my life. And I have to say, even at this season of our life, that we are experiencing such great fulfillment. And, and, and God wants to give us the desires of our heart. And so there's the promise of possession. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Look at verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. So what we want to say today is, is that faith, faith without works is debt. And see, this is what I want you to see. It's a very natural thing to be in the desert. But it takes intentionality, listen, it takes intentionality to serve God wholeheartedly. You see, I will decide tonight the quality of my devotions tomorrow morning. I will decide today how much I'm going to serve God with everything tomorrow. You see, what I've learned is it takes intentionality. And so we can be content. My problem is that when you get in the desert and you stay there long enough, you begin to smell the leeks and onions. Just a thought. God wants us to be intentional as we move forward in him. Faith without works is dead. Look at verse 4. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. And so we can say, very simply, folks, it is yours. Turn to somebody next to you and say, it is yours. Go ahead. If you want it, it's yours. 
But the question we have to answer today is, are we, are we hungry enough? Are we desperate enough? How bad do we want it? And so, if we're here today, in this Holy Spirit weekend, God, I want more of your presence. And when you ask him, he will tell you what he is asking of you. I know what God is asking of me in my devotional life. And with God's help, I've been attempting to walk in that each and every day as I serve him wholeheartedly. Kadesh Barnea is that place, that gate into the promised land. That's where I find myself serving God with everything that is within my life. And what we, what we need to know is that many Christians cross the first river, not, not everyone gets across the second. Because you see, when you're over here, watch, there is a second river anointing. There is a second river fulfillment. There's a second river language. There's a second river peace. There's a place that we find in God that is absolutely incredible because we've given it all over to God. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to be abandoned. And as I said yesterday, I have a burden for our denomination because you see, a hundred years ago, we, we found uh, uh, ourselves as nominal Christians circling in the desert. And watch, there was a group of people that got tired of the same old sin. There was no mystery to church. There was no mystery to their devotional life. It was the same old, same old. And when you're in the desert, you're going to cross, you're going to go down the same road. You're going to see the same house. You're going to see the same tree. You're going to see the same scenery. But there is a group of people that got desperate for God. They began to fast and pray, and they went on a journey. You see, what we need to do as we look at this, we need to understand faith without works is dead. And there are many Christians, they'll just circle. But I believe there's going to be some that are saying, I'm tired of the same old, same old. I'm going to now become a disciple. You see, that's what Jesus said. He said, go and make disciples. And so what we do is we turn and we start stepping forward. God wants you to make a choice today. As for me and my house, I am going to serve the Lord because it is mine. It is what God has brought me to do. The problem with an outline is you know how long I'm going to preach. All right, let's keep going. Number two, the preparation of possession. Let's look at the divine side. Look at verse five, first part of verse five. How many knew there was a 5A? Okay, there's a 5A in the Bible. All right, here it is. The assurance of divine power. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. When you make this turn to serve God wholeheartedly, I want you to know that you're going to deal with territory that is occupied by the enemy. That's why it says in Ephesians 6, put on the whole armor of God. Oh, some people say, well, the devil never bothers me. That's because you're halfway to Egypt. 
But when you're halfway to the promised land, I'm telling you, all hell is going to come against you. There's going to be resistance. But you need to know that there is an assurance of divine power as we take that step before him. What we need is spiritual leaders in our homes and in our churches who understand the fear of God. You see, one of the things that keeps us in the desert is the fear of man. But I'm telling you, when you put your face towards serving him with everything you have, you begin to learn what it is to walk in the fear of God. Glad to have, Let's give the pastor a hand. We're glad to have him back. <laughs> He said, I've heard all of this before. I don't. I love what this Bible says. No man should be able to stand before you all the days of your life. We need to know. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. When the enemy comes in like a flood, our God will raise up a standard against him. Number two, assurance of divine presence. 5b, it says, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Some of us feel like we're an assistant. We never feel like, like we're the lead pastor. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And so we allow our culture we hide behind our, well, this is who I am. No, it's who you think you are until you hear the voice of God telling you who you are. You see, I grew up in a Norcross culture. I grew up in a Scotch culture. And what I realized is I allowed all of those things to become an idol and I had to set them down and I had to hear the voice of God telling me who I was. And see, that's what happens when you serve God wholeheartedly. He puts his stamp upon your life, and he lets you know who you are. And if we're going to stand in this day and age, we've got to have identity. We've got to know who we are. And so the Bible declares that he is going to be with us. And you see, when we just circle in a desert experience... Wherever you circle and wherever you stop, that's where you're going to die. But when you give yourself totally to him, you move forward. The assurance of divine position. I will not leave you or forsake you. You see, the reason we stay in the desert is that's the comfort zone. That's who I am. That's where all my family are. That's where the leaders of the church are. I think that's where our congregation is. So there, are, that's where I'm I'm thankful that this house has set aside a weekend that says we are wanting to be spirit-led. Well, I'm telling you, if you want to be spirit-led, get ready for mystery. That's a word that has just been constantly, uh, I believe, Holy Spirit is speaking to it. Tomorrow morning, if you're going to have your devotions, ask God to take you where you've never gone before. I'm telling you, you can be old and still go where you've never gone before. 
the assurance of divine position. For it says clearly, I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. And so you set yourself to go on this journey with God. So that's the preparation of possession. That's the divine side. Let's look at the human side. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause the people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Here's the thing. The land's already ours. Somebody just needs to tell us, be strong and courageous. And so the responsibility of the leaders of this house is to lay down footprints. If there are no footprints in your family, in your generation, or in your culture, and I trust there are, but if there aren't, then if the church doesn't do it, who's going to do it? And so the responsibility, and that's one of my passions, is to walk with pastors and leaders, is that they lay down footprints and they declare over the house, follow me as I follow Christ. I want to declare in this house, follow me as I follow Christ. That needs to be the mandate or hashtag. No idea what that is. Follow me as I follow Christ. I'm telling you, people aren't looking for leaders that are in their soul. They're looking for leaders who are authentic. Young people that are sitting in this front row, they're looking for authenticity. They're looking for what you say, you live out. And that's what God changed in my life. We need to be able to look at those who lead the house. And they need to be constantly saying, and I've heard it this weekend, be strong and courageous. Joshua, you're, you've been the assistant for so long. I'm telling you, if you'll be faithful as an assistant and walk in the character of God and walk in the principles of God, promotion comes from the Lord. If you're trying to grab on and promote yourself, you're going to fall flat on your face. But when you're a good, I don't know why I'm saying this, but when you're a good assistant and your heart is right and you serve the vision of the house and the vision of the leader, I'm telling you, God's going to promote you because your heart is right. But just because you feel that you're maybe lesser, God can still put his hand upon you and he put his hand upon Joshua. The only thing I can find in Scripture different with Joshua and Caleb, the Bible says they had a different spirit. Ugh. Somebody, you see, if you're going to serve God wholeheartedly, you're going to have a different spirit. You're going to want it more than anyone else. And so, as was said already this morning, we're called to be encouragers. We could talk to some people. How are you? Oh, it's been kind of a tough week. We've all had tough weeks, but when you have a tough week every week, it becomes your identity. And I don't want to be around you because I might catch what you have. 
I want to be free of that. Be strong and courageous. Let the, let the declaration over this house be, be strong. May this year, may we declare, be strong and be courageous. That's how you move forward in God. I love what it says. Verses 8 and 9. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. One of the things God talked to me about was just being able to wait in his presence. Last night, we just waited in his presence, and I believe that waiting is going to spill over and already has into our service. You just got a text, Pastor, so just so you know. All right. <laughs> Meditate on the Word of God. Obey the Word of God. <laughs> Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may be you may have good success wherever you go. The, uh, Proverbs is a great book. I, I read a psalm and proverb every day. Uh, this is the 21st, so today I read the 21st psalm and the 21st proverb, and I go through and I, I start all over again at the end of the month. But one of the things it says is, the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge, and the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. That we all, many of us have knowledge, when we're in the fear of God, God speaks fresh stuff to us. But here's what I want you to see. Wisdom is the right application of knowledge. So therefore, many, of the, many people in the church are restricted because they don't add obedience to faith. That's what keeps you in the promise. Yeah, I believe God, but I don't have time for him. Wisdom is the right application of knowledge. So whatever God is speaking to you about, if you want to be wise and you want to move forward, I'm going to obey what God says. And that's the biggest change that is one of the biggest changes in my life. You see, here's the thing. If you want to, and now, if you're, if you're in the desert, you're a servant, but when you serve God wholeheartedly, you become a son and daughter. And what I realized is I was a very good servant, and many of my churches were servants because, yeah, as long as I come to church, pay my tithes, take up the offering, uh, work in the sound booth, I'm a good servant, everybody thinks everything's cool, but my life is a mess. Moses was a faithful servant. Jesus was a faithful son. And I want you to know that Moses, even with the great experiences he had with God, died right here short of the promised land. The Bible says he stood and God allowed him to see the promised land, but he said, you can't go in. And two reasons he never went in. He did not trust God and he did not honor him as holy. Folks, don't die in the desert experience the crossing of the Red Sea. Oh, by the way, if, or the Jordan, if you're going to cross the Jordan River, you have to take your shoes off. God said to Joshua, you're standing on holy ground. I'm giving you four teachings in 40 minutes. Folks, listen. When we look at this, obey the word of God. A son, here it is. One of the most important things I'll say to you this weekend, when you're a son, you stand innocent every day before God. Not perfect, but there's nothing God's talking to you about 
that you haven't done or you're not willing to do. I'm in so much trouble. All right, people. Verses 10 and 11. Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp, command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you're to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God has given you to possess. Let me say this briefly. God doesn't want you to cross the Jordan River alone. He wants you to, dis I believe everyone needs to have a Barnabas, somebody we can confide in, and every one of us need to have a Timothy, somebody we are discipling. If you, it's very hard to go on this journey by yourself. Find somebody. You say, well, I, I don't feel I'm mature enough to disciple someone. Can I just say to you, all you have to do is be a half a step ahead of them. <laughs> follow me as I follow Christ. I got to keep going. Oh, this is... These last two points are so good. Excuse me. When you choose to break out of a same old, same old and living in the soul and being a servant and you turn and you choose to serve God wholeheartedly, there is such a fear because no one in our generations have been on the other side of the wall. And we're afraid of the enemy. We're afraid what's going to happen. I want you to know as you simply take a step of faith, watch this, you dispossess the enemy. Satan is a bully. Watch, watch, watch. Satan is a bully. And when you turn to him, I'm telling you, he, you see, the Bible says, resist the devil, submit to God, resist the devil, and he flees. The reason we're so weighted down of the enemy is we're over here in a desert experience and what God says, just take a step toward me. I'll look after the enemy. And so as you take that step, you dispossess the enemy. You push him aside and he begins to back away. So when we go over to Numbers chapter 33, this is what it says. In verse 50, and the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho, saying, speak to the people of Israel, say to them, when you pass over the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all their figured stones and destroy all their metal images and demolish all of their high places. And you shall take possession of the land, settle in it, for I have given the land to you to possess it. So you have to recognize that you got a plan for victory. You, listen, 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 listen. How many have ever seen that video, Listen Linda? Anyone? No, come on. Is that not the greatest video of all time? When I say, if you haven't, just go, listen Linda. It's fabulous. All right. Listen Linda. You cannot, watch now, I'm trying to close, watch. You cannot serve God wholeheartedly with your head down. You have to plan for victory. The reason people hit a wall and fall back is they go, oh, 
sure hope I make this. Pastor says I got to do my devotions. No, no. Jesus is the glory and the lifter of your head. Watch. Man can help you lift your hands, but it's only Jesus that can lift your head. Come on, that was worth coming to church for. Yeah, they held up Moses' hands and they, they had victory. But I'm telling you, when you get your heart right before God, and, and it took months of repentance to break out a parent's culture and generation. And I had wonderful parents, but I allowed them to become a God in my life, a, an idol, and I had to let God repair me. You have two fathers today. You have a physical father, but you have a father of your spirit. And so when you turn and serve him wholeheartedly, he starts to speak to your spirit. He begins to tell you who you really are and you start to find out an identity in God and he begins to lift your head and you start to plan. Instead of planning for defeat, you start to plan for victory and you start to march forward as the people of God. He's the glory and the lifter of our head. We can do all things through Christ which strengthens his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Oh, it's time to let God be God. It's time to let him come and allow him to experience, for us to experience that sonship. Can I just show you the result of failure? If you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then those of them whom you let remain shall be as barbs in your eyes and thorns in your side, and they shall trouble you in the land where you dwell. When we circle in the desert, when we have churches that have lost their way, what begins to happen is we watch when you circle in the desert and, and you don't serve God with it because you see a double-minded man is unstable in all his way. It's time to become single-minded every single day. And what happens, and I see it in churches all the time, people, are, the, the leadership is lost. There's no intimacy with God. There's no koinonia. There's no godly fellowship. And what happens is when you circle in the desert long enough, then you give the enemy a legal right to be barbs in your eyes. And you can't see God. You don't have any faith. You don't have any understanding. You don't have any wisdom. And you're trying to build a church in your flesh. And everybody's exhausted because they're all servants. And they're tired of being servants. It's time to be sons and daughters. Because until we are sons and daughters, we cannot have spiritual fathers and mothers. And one of the greatest needs in the church are our spiritual mothers and fathers in the pulpit that will lead the house and begin to birth sons and daughters to understand God never called us to live in the desert. He called us to live in our destiny. And we have to know, I'm really enjoying walking up and down these stairs. This is so much fun. We have to know that there's a destiny for this house. The consequence of disobedience I will do to you as I thought to do to them. One of the most sobering verses in the Bible. 
What what does God say? If you're lukewarm, I will spew you from my mouth. And so he loves us enough to bring challenges in our life so that we will return to him and to be sons and daughters. Oh, there's still more. Okay, we're just about finished. This is the best one, I think, for me. Principles of possession, appropriation. If you're going to go on this journey, and I'm going to close. If we're going to go on this journey, you're going to have to believe in God, and you're going to have to believe in yourself. And if you're going to go on this journey... There's going to have to be an appropriation. Appropriation is to take something for one's own use, usually without the owner's permission. Ooh, this is getting good. You see, when you choose to take a step to serve him wholeheartedly, you take back what the enemy stole from you. Come on, church. We have tolerated the enemy. We have given him a legal right to come in and bring confusion and bring sickness and and, and bring a lack of finances and bring all that he wants to bring to discourage and dissuade us so we will go back to Egypt. So we need to appropriate. We need to serve notice. Satan, here I come. The church needs to say, Satan, here I come. It means to seize, to commandeer. And what God has given us, we make it our own. And so God said to Moses, I will give you every place. Worship team, if you'll come. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised. Where do you want to place your foot? Is it one more day to circle in the desert? Are you going to allow Jesus to be the glory and lifter of your head? Are you going to take back what the enemy has stole from you? I wish I had time to read those two scripts. Please read those. Time doesn't permit. So there's progression. And you can read that in Deuteronomy. The perils of possession is just partial. And that's what I experienced forward and back. Forward and back. Until I humbled myself and repented and pushed through. Non-possession. There were a group of the Israelites that didn't want to go to the promised land. They stayed on this side of the, uh, of the, of the Jordan River. You can read about it. Listen. Linda, listen. Just because your wife doesn't go or your husband doesn't go 
Or even a leader doesn't go, you make sure that you hunger and thirst after righteousness. You make sure, don't let anyone keep you from your destiny. And so here's our takeaway. God has given us a promise that he will bring us into our destiny. We need to prepare ourselves for this possession by dispossessing the enemy, seize what is rightfully ours. Let us progress in his timing, but never settle for anything except complete possession. That's where the Spirit of God is. The Spirit of God, what did I do? Oh, just can you leave that up for a moment, just so people can fill their notes in? So 17 years ago, I made a decision to serve God wholeheartedly. I couldn't find any mentors. So I found a spirit-filled counselor. I went to this counselor for 10 months every second week. His wife was an intercessor. I never to this day have met this lady, but when the counselor would come, he said, God was talking to my wife about you, and he would say, she, said, she saw this in the spirit, and every time God did a deep work in my life. I remember the first morning, I, I went to the office of the counselor. I went to put my hand on the doorknob, and I heard a voice, What are you doing? What if your board finds out? I've been a pastor for 30 years and here I'm seeking help. I was on district executive at the time. What happens if Rick Hilsden finds out you're going to a counselor? What is the matter with you? And I made a decision that morning, never forget. I said, I don't care. I have to find God. I have to find God. I want to leave you with one story because it applies to us. And like I say, I love to close. I just keep closing and closing. <laughs> but it's significant to this house. It's significant to the basement church. My father was a pioneer. Pastored five churches, built a church everywhere he went. God anointed him and blessed him. No one ever mentored him. And that's one of the reasons I have such a passion to mentor leaders. But he said, where, where are we going to... We, we have this storefront church. We've got to buy property. And they bought property. And uh, they took me to the building and I took some pictures of <coughs> the basement church. And there was an old building on the property. And so my dad went over to the building and he said, he was the type of person, he had great faith. He said, I have to start somewhere. So he started taking off the shingles. He was up on the roof beginning because they knew before they built, they had to tear this old building down. So he just started. And there were two men, Mr. McGregor and Mr. Schaefer. I don't know if some of you know them or not. They were driving by, and they saw this skinny pastor up on the roof, and they stopped to help him. 
Out of that, they built relationship. They, both of those men got saved, helped to build the church. And I share that story with you for this reason. You may be here wondering where to start. Can I just tell you, just take a half a step toward God. Just say, I am all in. I am ready to be passionate for God because I'm tired of living in my soul. I want to be a part of a spirit-led church and I, I'm going to give my heart totally to God and get in alignment and walk in the spirit, resulting in love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, long-suffering, self-control. That's the fruit of intimacy with God. Would you bow your head? You folks have been so attentive. Thank you. I would ask that no one would be leaving, no one move for the next just few moments. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I believe there's a call in this house to greatness. I believe there's something significant God wants to do in 2018. But it begins with you and begins with me. You're here this morning and you've heard the word. Sometimes we settle into Christianity and Christianese and become religious and we need to freshen our heart with God. We need to be revived and we need to become a disciple of Jesus Christ because that's what he said for us to do. Go and make disciples. <coughs> You're here this morning. You've heard the word. The worship has spoken to you. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to respond by raising your hand. But you would say today, Pastor, I want to serve God wholeheartedly. I'm ready to become a follower of Jesus. I'm ready to become a disciple. I, I'm ready to set aside parents, culture, generation, anything. You see, we take what's good from those, but anything that's contrary to the fruit of the Spirit, we set it aside and say, God, reparent me. If you're ready to take that, even if it's a feeble step, can I see your hand? You just put it, hold it up. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just raise it up. Hold it up. Disciples put their hands straight up. They just, wow, that's me. You know that there needs to be change in your life. Go ahead. Hold it up. Hold it up. Hold it up. Where are you? Where are you? If you raise your hand, I want you to come and I want you to stand here at the altar right now. Just stand up. Come and stand right here in the altar. You say, God's spoken to me today. I'm ready to give him my heart. I'm ready to pay that price. I'm ready to establish a devotional, a consistent devotional life. Whatever he wants me to do tomorrow morning, I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to accept change. I'm ready to walk in the spirit. I'm ready to become everything God said for me to do. Oh, this is awesome. No more desert, no more circling, no more same old, same old. We're looking tomorrow for something fresh. We're ready to step in to the unknown. We're ready to fall in love with mystery. So I guess, Pastor, we say for this weekend, hashtag mystery. Is that, I have no idea what I'm saying there. I just want the mystery. I'm tired of the same old. 
Sometimes, sometimes we get concerned of the moving of Holy Spirit just because we don't understand it. Just trust the leadership. God wants to take us where we've never gone before. Now we're going to do a symbolic prophetic act as you're standing around this altar. Worship team's going to lead us in just a moment. They have an awesome song that just ties right in with this. I know they do. <laughs> no pressure. Watch. We're going to take, we're going to change where we're standing. Symbolically, we're going to take a prophetic act. I'm going to ask you in a moment, if you're around this altar, I want you to take a step forward. And that will symbolically let the enemy know. Come on. That symbolically is going to let the enemy know you are going to appropriate. You don't need his permission. Come on. You don't need his permission. You have the legal right to appropriate what's yours. So the count of three, I want you to understand what you're doing. You're saying, God, I'm no longer going to stay the same old. I'm going to step in to become everything that you want from me. So the count of three, you're going to take one step forward and you're going to let the enemy know, here I come. When you take that step, I want you to say, to the enemy, here I come. I want you to say to God, here I come. I'm running after you as my heavenly father. You ready? One, two, three. Just go ahead. Take that step. Hallelujah. Here I come. Here I come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here I come. I'm coming after you, God. Thank Can we just give Pastor Robert a hand, please? And thank you. This is where I try to convince you to come back tonight, but I don't think I have to. So we're at 6.30 tonight. There's full children's program. And so we will see you all here tonight at 6.30, just to another touch of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 